Hi there, money people. It's your host, Mary. And this week, you're stuck with me. Nolan's going to join us, but he's busy off climbing some mountains in Switzerland, which is pretty cool. So you just got me today. Don't worry. I'll try and have a great conversation with you. So today, I'm coming here to you from Milan, Italy, the headquarters of Global Thinking Foundation. And to help close out our series on cryptocurrency and introduce our next series on climate change, we have a very esteemed guest with us today. We are with a very dear person to me, Claudia Segre, the founder and leader of Global Thinking Foundation. She leads offices in Italy and France and the United States. Tell me that's not so cool. So, she has been working on worldwide issues of financial empowerment and gender equality for literally decades. Claudia has been a leader in the world of finance for many years. And as this leader, she led emerging markets for 30 years at some of the biggest banks you could imagine. Naturally, she's got a keen eye on how the old institutions are changing. And that's why we're so thrilled to have her here for a quick little chat. We want to close out the discussion on cryptocurrency with a perspective on what the future holds. And we also want to launch into a conversation to introduce our newest series on climate change, tying these two worlds that you might not put together, together. Claudia has been at the forefront of bridging financial empowerment and issues of the environment and sustainability. Global Thinking Foundation's upcoming annual event today, for all of our listeners, Thursday, November 18th, so you can listen in if you want to, is centered on the topic of how the world is changing to rise to the challenge of climate change. It's no exaggeration to call it the single most important issue of our time. And it's important to center climate into every conversation we have. And Claudia Segre understands and lives this truth every single day. Hi, I'm Mary. I'm Nolan. I'm Lakita Ann. We are your hosts, and this is Your World, Your Money. We will be talking real money with real people in a real way. Because everyone deserves the opportunity and tools for freedom, financial or otherwise. Your World, Your Money is brought to you by Hangar Studios, a New York City-based recording studio, and Global Thinking Foundation, a global nonprofit working toward financial freedom and equality for all. Claudia, we are so excited to have you here with us. Let's get into it. Hi, Mary. Are you ready to talk to the U.S. audience? Get to know them a little bit? Yeah, born ready. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into it. Let's talk about cryptocurrency. So Claudia, in what ways do you think that crypto is changing the world of finance? Or is this technology maybe a little overrated and we're just a little obsessed with it right now? Yeah, uh, for sure, it changed a lot, the world of finance. Uh, and from the technical point of view, as I was a trader, 
into financial markets, uh, investment funds and banking strategies still believe Bitcoin rem remains a, a better inflation edge than gold. And uh, what we are perceiving is that the reemergence of inflation concerns among investors has renewed the interest in using Bitcoin as an inflation edge. So over the past year, Bitcoin has outperformed gold by enormous value and truly becoming a sort of digital gold. But if the price of Bitcoin were to increase also 10 times over the next decade, I would not invest in it. I share the view that Bitcoin in its nature remains worthless and so overrated because it actually doesn't exist instead of considering that currently it's used for speculative online investments and to evade government laws. So it's sort of like the song, it's just an illusion of easy money and is like a casino gamble. Did you all hear that? It's just an illusion. I think we're going to have to put that song in here. I think that was the best. Yeah, we can so record with you. <laughs> Oh, oh, yes. I'll sing yeah. for everybody. Everybody will go deaf. It will be really healthy. You know, they'll, they'll be really, really grateful that I sang for them. For everyone listening, I'm an atrocious singer. You never want that to happen in your life. Yeah, me too. It's just an illusion. <laughs> so more and more of these central banks, you were talking a little bit about institutions. They are creating digital currencies of their own. And just to pick your brain a little bit, do you think that this will be the future? Do you think children and students, should they have some kind of cryptocurrency competency in their education or financial education? Like, where do we see this going? I strongly believe that young generation need to have more, you know, schism to be more deep into cryptocurrency matters. And we already added cryptocurrency phenomenon analysis on our mm. courses of financial education, both for students and adults, because it's very important to tackle new technologies that favor by advances in cryptography, first of all. And this application of methods serve to make a message understandable and intelligible for everybody, and not only to people authorized to read it. And by the evolution of the internet, Internet, uh, that are causing a radical change in the global economy, there's a particular reference to the financial sector in terms of the method of exchange of goods, services, and any financial activity. Among the most significant applications of digital technology to the financial sector, obviously at the center, there is cryptocurrency. And the emergence and spread of cryptocurrencies stands out, but it's more important to look and be focused on blockchain revolution that is very crucial to take an account for under, a better understanding of this digital revolution. So also because even money can change its skin and one of the phenomena that could definitely lead to a change is that of the central bank digital currency, so CBDC, it is a new form of money other than digital money, and that is inextricably linked to the bank that issues it. So CBDC are a relatively new concept, but the exploratory and experimental phase by various central banks worldwide is already well underway. And uh, is interest in understanding how new technologies such as blockchain can support the creation of new form of money that brings to benefits and uh, in all its application uh, for this new revolution of technology. But 
it's very different than to adopt Bitcoin as the new digital currency for everybody. I love that you mentioned some of these incredible innovations and, and some of these options that we can move towards. So the CBCD's option that is a little bit more, well, it seems a little bit better for the economy than some of these other options that we've got. So looking at the other side of it, what are some of the major downsides of cryptocurrency? Like, would you say for you, from your perspective, are you an optimist or a pessimist at the end of the day? I think we know, but I'm excited to hear you tell me which way you think you want to take it. But, you know, let me first of all remind uh, what happened uh, just at the beginning of this year, so barely nine months ago, not more than uh, nine months uh, passed, and Tesla announced its 1.5 billion investment in Bitcoin, just was February. And this news uh, immediately increased the value of the digital currency, reaching a record of $63,000 on April 13. And after a few weeks, a tweet from the founder and the CEO of the company, Elon Musk, was enough, where he announced the stop to Bitcoin as a means of payment for Tesla cars to predictably generate the opposite effect. So a collapse of the cryptocurrency of almost and more than 10%. So the, the reason is that Bitcoin production is a major source of pollution. And people understanding that and uh, that is a significant amount of earnings is used to produce them is all digital currency is certainly nothing new but undoubtedly the surge of prices leads to an impact of the environment so great that it jeopardizes the global use of cryptocurrency at certain times. So it's true that these coins are virtual and therefore there is no use of paper, plastic materials or metal. And it's equally true that the mining process and the creation of cryptocurrency takes place thanks to the work of numerous high power computers, which therefore they process at a high energy intensity, often generated by fossil fuels again such as coal, one of the most polluting commodity. So the so-called miners try to obtain bitcoins through complex mathematical calculation carried out by the graphics card of the machinery and extrapolated the cryptocurrency through calculation system linked to an expensive energy consumption. And so if you think that the latest data on the impact of this system on the environment comes from the University of Cambridge and also from the International Energy Agency. In 2019, they estimated that mining operation around the world draw on energy sources at the rate of 120 terawatt hours per year, about as much as a medium-sized nation. But according to the U.S. University, this could have risen to 147.8 terawatt hours per year. So the carbon dioxide emissions caused by the mining of bitcoins are between 22 and 22.9 tons in a year. And this is a level equivalent to those produced by Jordan or Sri Lanka or another middle nation. So numbers that would even risk doubling if in addition to Bitcoin, all other cryptocurrencies that are more than 360 were also taken into consideration. A real and incredible danger for the climate change, uh, sustainability, and the situation that is really tough during this period, as we have seen at the COP26 debate. I'm grateful that you mentioned the environmental impacts here, because 
This is a really great segue into the next part of the conversation that I'm excited to bring you in on. So as we mentioned at the beginning, given this existential importance of solving the climate change issue, it's a topic that should ground every conversation in honestly every area. So Claudia, you've been thinking a lot on the importance of rising to the challenge of climate change. In fact, you've organized some of Global Thinking Foundation's programs like Focus Sud and Young 612 Plus, and even our annual event taking place today to our listeners, it will be today, to be centered around climate and sustainability. So please tell us why you've made this incredible choice to ground everything we do in something that is the future and we've got to think about it. Okay, the annual event for us is a very important appointment because it's the way to wrap up what happened during this year, and particularly 2021 was a very tough year for many reasons, as you know, after the pandemic, or we suppose after the pandemic, because we don't know actually. And uh, it's also a way to explain to our stakeholder new project and our vision for the next years to come. And this year, the title is Sustainability and Technology for the Regeneration of Ecosystems. And the subtitle is There is no Planet B or Plan B, if you want. Because last year we analyzed the role of technologies in fostering transformation towards a more inclusive and sustainable society. And now our journey of project and actions continues to make the system more suited to the needs of the new labor market and to prepare the new generation to embrace the Green New Deal launched by the US administration exactly like that in uh, European Union as a perfectly integrated platform in 2030 agenda and their SDGs. But no one can be left behind, as we know perfectly. And even if the corporates have understood that reducing inequalities can improve profits, investors respond by rewarding adherence to the ESG criteria and to choose sustainable investment as a must-have. And uh, we are sure that the transition to a low-carbon economy will foster justice and equality and will not end up once again eating the most vulnerable sections of society. And uh, we can argue also that a responsible fintech could help. We have an observatory, the Observatory on Fintech for Sustainability. This is working on new project of Fintech for Good. And we will try to answer many questions like those one with our authoritative speakers and in order to face the emergency and preserving ecosystems. So to find solution and first of all, actions. So we are really conscious and far-sighted commitment and all together we can also follow the results of the social impact analysis that we already did regarding our project and we will expose during this annual event. And so you can follow us on our website and I'm really sure it would be an amazing opportunity to share different views cross between US and Europe on such urgent issues and also looking forward and beyond COP26 but all together not only in progress but in action. Thank you for mentioning COP26 you're just making my life so easy I don't even have to come up with segues. I just get to listen to you and be like, and there's my question. Look at that. So easy. So 
I want to talk about COP26 because at least in the United States, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but my perception is most Americans didn't know anything about it. And if they did know about it, they only knew about it truly like a week before it happened, which sounds crazy to many people, but really a lot of Americans didn't know about it. So thinking about that meaningful climate action, we haven't really seen any. And countries are trying to put us on the right course through COP26. So are you optimistic about other countries being able to rise to this challenge? Do you think we've got a chance? Can we do it? What do you think? Uh, first of all, I, mean, I think that we need to build this chance all together. And I'm quite optimistic also with reference to the recent news. We might speak of a new hope that will reach the climate goals. And respect of the limit of 1.5 degree might I think this might be achieved. Economists have cautiously welcomed the unexpected US-China declaration that will to boost climate cooperation. We will see next year there will be a virtual meeting between the two. And also you analysts describe the move uh, as an encouraging moment and important step, but it's very crucial that both countries to show not only a strong commitment, but concrete actions in the next nine years to support their promises. And I think that US and China are, are the world's two biggest CO2 emitters. And scientists say that limiting global temperatures rising only uh, 1.5 centigrade will help humanity avoid the worst climate impacts. Then this announcement was made uh, already a few days ago at the COP26 climate summit in Glasgow. And there will be a virtual meeting uh, where these two big powerful nations uh, can find a possible agreement. I don't know, it's very difficult because we know that there was always this sort of not constructive debate between the two till now, uh, particularly regarding 5G and technology's new power. But I think that, uh, as one mentioned also by many Sherpa between the two countries, uh, after more than 30 meetings uh, in the last 10 months, they finally need to give a message to the rest of the world if they want to remain in power. Absolutely. And as everybody listening knows, you're a president and founder, and, and I also work for the foundation. If you don't know that yet, well, that's what this podcast is about. So welcome here. So one topic within this that we're both very self-invested in and the foundation is invested in is the role of finance in all of this. So what role does finance play in the green transition? And the question that we fight for every day, what should it play? What role would we love to see it play in this green transition that you're talking about? Uh, but, you know, uh, three years ago, our uh, annual event was focused on impact investing. And we hosted uh, the guru of impact investing, our best friend, Robert Rubinstein of Tibli Group. And we started uh, from that moment uh, a, a new path on impact investing involvement of the foundation and, and also my personal involvement into impact investing. But if I have to look to COP26, uh, I see that for the first time, the world of finance, banks, investors are finally committed uh, with a written agreement to cut emissions and do their part in the fight uh, against the climate change. 
And the agreement, uh, whose credit goes mainly to the United Nations Special Envoy for Finance, individuals and former governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, was just announced at the COP26. So the announcement uh, is very important for the commitments and promises uh, from 40% of the world of finance, uh, which has promised to respect the Paris Agreement in terms of emission cuts, and also they be committed with more than 130 trillion assets that overall have said yes to this commitment and under this new umbrella of the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, GFANS, uh, which is made up of over 450 banks insurers, asset managers, representing more than 45 countries. So uh, this which should be able to provide up to 100 trillion in funding to help economies transition to carbon neutrality over the next three decades. So in the total asset of the coalition, the managers contribute for about $57 trillion and another $63 trillion will come from banks and other 10 pension funds and financial groups that are part of this alliance, like Hong Kong Shanghai Bank, Bank of America, Santander. And also, allow me to outline another point that is regarding the Climate Bond Initiative, another important initiative that is a sort of non is an international non-profit organization operating in the bond market with reference to the green bonds and the CEO is Sian Kidney, and uh, this guy explained why they are raising the target in order to combat the climate crisis to $1 trillion in annual investment that must be reached by 2023, and subsequently it will aim to achieve $5 trillion annually by 2025. So Kidney said that the allocation of capital to sustainable projects is expected to reach trillions per year and adds rippling in both developed and emerging economies. This is very important. So it's a global initiative containing all the issues coming both and the requests coming both from the developed and emerging economies. And if you take an account in 2020, annual green investment amounted to $297 billion round and at the beginning of 2021, they exceeded $354 billion. So it's an important issue, it's a growing issue, and we need to finance the green economy if you want to achieve the goals of the green transition. So these trends give hope to reach half a trillion quota by the end of 2021, this year. And if the fight against climate change will require commitment for a long time, for sure, it's a great opportunity, obviously, for the investors to be into the green economy and to make the right choice. There's a lot of zeros in all of those numbers. I heard a lot of billions and, and trillions, and that's a lot of zeros. So all of these zeros, we're talking about banks, institutions, organizations. I want to think a little bit about people like us that work in the nonprofit world. So what are some important steps for nonprofits like Global Thinking Foundation? Obviously, again, selfish vested interest. Hi, everyone. We're here. But what are some of these steps that nonprofits can take to help push the world towards the meaningful climate action that we need? And we might not have quite so many zeros at the ready. 
let me uh, point out that first of all, Global Thinking Foundation is participating to the International Network for Financial Education of the CD, to the civil society organization meeting at the International Monetary Fund. And at the same time, we are really conscious of our common responsibility towards climate change in all our projects. And non-profit organizations are leading this change. And foundations like Global Thinking Foundation with their projects serves as a network to learn, to educate, to track social impact and connect with other people who also want to help change and to have a better world. So addressing climate change can be super hard and Global Thinking Foundation offered the opportunity for everyone to contribute with something that is simple and easy at the starting point. Day by day, individual actions with students, we share the way to change and to move for climate change. That's including some personal choices in many areas such as a diet, a long and short distance travel every day, household energy use, consumption of goods and services, family size. So individuals can also engage in local and political advocacy around issues on climate change. And that's the reason why we improve environmental education with financial education with students and families that aims to educate human beings to manage their behavior in relation to the ecosystem without altering the balance of nature but at the same time managing to meet the needs of the community present at the given historical moment because this is an historical monument and we have not another time to change and then there is not supplementary time for a change so this presupposes a great attention to all the interconnections between environmental social and economic dynamics to adhere to the ESG environmental social and governance criteria and both companies and individual people in their usual and daily choices in investment. And it's a question of raising awareness among the community on a particularly important issue in today's world. So that of the climate crisis, which has made training information interventions for new generation very essential and urgent. So what we develop is a new way of thinking about the concept of the environment and of relating now and uh, partnership with people and our stakeholders. So this also helps the construction of a sense of legality, first of all, development of an ethics of responsibility, uh, which uh, is realizing the duty to choose and act in an informed way, and which implies the commitment to develop ideas, project, promote actions, aim at the continuous improvement of one life context and starting from daily life at school, personal involvement in customer routine, they may relate to the cleanliness and regeneration of places and regeneration of cities and finally of the human being. I like that. I like that we can start with our daily lives. We can start there. So whether you work for a nonprofit to you work for one of those big old banks, you can just start with your daily life. I like that. I think that that feels very, that feels very tangible and an easy way for people to get to. So 
for our listeners, Claudia is this incredibly busy lady. So we're very, very grateful that you came on to chat with us. And I have one last fun question just because I want to gas you up and I want the world to know how awesome you are. So we just heard Claudia talking about all of these incredible things from institutions and legality and environmental change. Claudia, how many languages do you speak? Because I don't think I have the command like that over even English. (laughs) I speak the languages of the art. So Italian, French, <laughs> English, <Ooh>. Abrazi, <laughs> and a little bit of Hebrew because, you know, the adherence of Bible is always important for each religion <laughs> you are coming up. So <laughs> just to study every day and to study a lot because our language is our freedom to talk mm. with the people and to exchange uh, our commitment to this world and for a very sustainable environment. Ah, did you hear that? She has the languages of the heart. Those are the ones that she knows. And that is perfect. That is you, Claudia, right there. You speak the languages of the heart. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you to you. Bye. Speak to you very soon. Ciao, ciao. (laughs) So that's our conversation today with our incredible leading lady, Claudia Segre. And we are so happy you could all listen in with us and listen to our chat with Claudia in the midst of all of the busy, busy things she's got to do. This wraps up our series on cryptocurrency and sets us up for our next mini series on climate change and how we can think through the impacts and implications of our individual carbon footprint and how we can sort through some of the quote unquote green policies taken by corporations and even what that can mean for us as consumers. As we mentioned, Global Thinking Foundation's annual event is taking place today, November 18th, titled There Is No Planet Plan B. Incredibly relevant to these conversations we're having. You can learn more and watch the full event recording via the Global Thinking Foundation website at gltfoundation.com or also on our website in the USA, globalthinkingfoundationusa.com. Pretty much if you type in global thinking into Google and you click on the Italian site, the French site, the United Kingdom site, the USA site, you can pick one if you can read Italian and French and you can watch the annual event with us. We hope you can join us and we'll chat soon. Until then, everybody stay safe and happy money making. You've been listening in with Your World, Your Money. You can find us at ywympodcast.com and stay updated on Instagram at Global Thinking Foundation USA. Be sure to rate and review us and you can reach us with questions or thoughts at hi at ywympodcast.com. Our thanks again to Hangar Studios and Global Thinking Foundation. Thanks, friends. Happy money making. We'll see you next time.